the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Praise God. Now, we're continuing our series in Philippians. We're calling Nurturing the Christian Mind. That's the main theme of this letter. It has to do with how we can nurture our minds so we can think as Christian, uh, Christians, developing the mindset controlled by the Holy Spirit that produces joy, peace, harmony, humility, uh, and these things are, are woven into the letter and that they bring power to overcome the challenges we face in life. Today's message is entitled, The Mind of the Servant. And our text is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 26. It contains the central definitive statement of the mindset of a Christian who serves Jesus. From the words of the great apostle Paul himself. Uh, let me read to you the, 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 the portion of scriptures and then ask you to read that central statement which is found in verse 21 okay paul writes for i know that through your prayers and god's provision of the spirit of jesus christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance i eagerly expect and hope that i will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. Read verse 21 with me. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Service to serve Jesus is the calling of every Christian, regardless of where or what form of service God calls us into, okay? Now, notice that I said we are called to serve Christ, to serve Jesus, not the cause of Jesus. We are called to serve Christ, not the cause of Christ. And when we serve Jesus, we can expect a measure of Sacrifice, self-sacrifice. This is important for us uh, to, to, to distinguish because many of us often think that we're serving Christ 
when actually we're just serving the cause of Christ, the cause of the church, right? Or even the cause of the gospel. We often think that Christian service is like one of participating in one of these 5K run to benefit uh, cancer research or something like that. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, all right? There's nothing wrong with serving uh, some cause. Even in the church, we have done that. Uh, to, to make sure that we address a spe special need of the church or, or a, a special uh, uh, thing that we need to do for the gospel. But it's not the same as serving Jesus. Serving the cause of Christ is not the same as serving Jesus. And there's nothing inherently wrong with serving the cause of the gospel, but it's not the same as serving the author of that gospel. You know, many throughout the history of the church, many things have been done in the name of Christ, but they do not necessarily translate to have served Jesus himself. Certainly a lot of great things were done in the name of Jesus in the history of the church, but there's also, there were also many things that were done in the name of Jesus that was inconsistent with what Jesus taught and exemplified. There are things that have been done in the name of Jesus that were wonderful, but there were things that were done in the name of Jesus that Jesus himself would not have approved. So we need to distinguish the difference, okay? And Paul alluded to this problem uh, earlier on in the, in the first chapter of Philippians when he says, some preach Christ out of the correct motive. Some preach Jesus out of love and compassion, but some preach Jesus out of self-gain, out of envy, out of competition. So this is nothing new. And in the letter to the Philippians, Paul is teaching every follower of Jesus to have the mindset of a true servant. To serve Christ is to serve as Jesus did, sacrificially, uh, and, and, and Paul shows us what that looks like. What does it look like to really serve Jesus and not just serve some cause for Jesus? He personally demonstrated this as we study his life and as we study the words that he put in scriptures, that God, the Holy Spirit, put in scriptures. It means to have a mind of a sacrificial servant. That's what it means primarily. And, and we may not all have the same call to serve, but we can glean the principles of sacrificial service from the words of scriptures. I'd like to lay in our hearts and minds this morning four signs that prove we have a mind to serve Jesus. Okay, The word serve or service or being a servant that the Apostle Paul used is the word duolos, which translates to slaves, okay? Paul addressed himself as a slave of Christ. Now, you know, don't, don't think of this word slave as, as, as someone that, you know, I mean, our, our own common understanding of the word slave is. Paul was saying, I have no choice. I had been called to serve, to be a servant. I belong to Jesus. It's not a choice that I have made. It's a call that, had God, that God has placed in my life. And that is every Christian's call, to be a duolos, a slave, a servant of Jesus. And what kind of servant is that? It is a sacrifice.
sacrificial servant, a servant who understands what sacrifice really means, okay? So I want to lay, lay out in, in our hearts uh, four signs that prove we have the mind of a servant. Number one, the mind of a sacrificial servant is reliant on prayer and the power of the Spirit. Read verse 9 once again. It says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Let me just uh, uh, emphasize the fact again that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome. And he said, What has happened to me was indeed used by God to advance the ministry of the gospel to those around him. In Paul's mind, the sacrifice he was enduring for serving Christ will lead to his deliverance. Now, in Paul's mind, the word deliverance here is not wanting to be released from that prison. You know, when Paul says, you know, I know that what I'm doing here, the sacrifice that I'm enduring, being in prison and advancing the gospel, I know God will eventually remove me from this prison. That's not what he meant. I'm sure he thought about wanting to be released from prison. I'm sure he's a human being and, you know, he was incarcerated. But his main, main motivation is to be proven faithful to what God has called him to do, and that is to proclaim the gospel to those around him, even in the situation that he was in. He wasn't desiring to be set free from prison as a primary motivation for proclaiming God's message. His primary motivation is to be proven faithful to what God has called him to do, and that is to serve Jesus, to serve him. He wanted to be a successful servant, a sacrificial servant. He wanted to be like Jesus, who served sacrificially. And he knew that the only way this could be accomplished is through his prayers, the prayers of other Christians, and the power of the Holy Spirit. His great hope was that he would have carried out his service, his ministry to the Lord successfully. And Paul knew that that was his main call, was to serve the Lord. And he was being persecuted for it. He was jailed for proclaiming the gospel. And his only option is to rely on prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. His main goal, again, is not to be released from that prison, but to be proven faithful in his service. In his mind, his goal and his purpose is to deliver the goods to Jesus through the power of prayer and the abundant provisions of the Holy Spirit. You know, to illustrate this, I want to I wanna share a story. I wanna, um, uh, many years ago, I had a boss who would call a meeting with a customer. You know, we're designing products for different customers. Uh, and he would call a meeting with the customers, and, and I would be there in the meeting taking notes, you know, listening to everything that's going on. And it never fails. Every time he talks to the customer, he gives them promises. Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we can, we, can, we can design this for you. We can, not only can we design this particular option in this product, we're also going to deliver this to you in two weeks. And guess who's going to do the delivering? It wasn't him. 
It was me. And I'm listening to this and I'm saying, what if I can't deliver to your promise? But I had no choice. That was my job. Is to make the delivery exactly the way he promised to do it. That's the kind of mindset that Paul had. Okay? He knew God called him to give the gospel, to proclaim the good news to people around him. And then he was in under a great deal of pressure. I mean, uh, pressure is to put it mildly. He was persecuted. He was jailed. But his mindset tells him, I need to deliver on the promise of the gospel. That's kind of what Paul was talking about. He tells him, okay, God, you ordered me to serve you. How am I going to deliver on that order when I'm under persecution, when I'm imprisoned? And Paul knew in his mind that it can only be accomplished by relying on the power of the Spirit and relying on prayers, our prayers and the prayers of other people. That should be our attitude as well. You know, we've been called to serve Jesus in front of the world. No matter what context God has called us to serve, we need to rely on prayer and the power of the Spirit because we have no other option, you know, because we are in it as a calling and we are going to go through sacrifice to be able to do that. Serving the Lord is less about doing something for Jesus, but standing with Jesus. How many of you know when you and I make the decision to serve the Lord by standing for Jesus, you're going to get persecuted. Do you know that that's going to happen? This day and age, try telling people the truth about what God says in His Word. What you're going to get? You're going to get people trying to mock you, label you with all kinds of things. Right? It's going to happen. That's our calling. Okay, shouldn't surprise us. When we serve Jesus, it means we stand with Jesus. What was eventually Jesus had to endure? He had to endure the cross. Why are we afraid to endure the same kind of thing? Right? So, it's a mindset, loved ones. It, it, it's the way we think. We're not going to say, okay, you know, serving the Lord is going to be just a walk in the park. Everybody's going to be happy with me. Everybody's going to smile at me. Everybody's going to agree with me because I am serving Jesus. Not at all. Expect. Expect that not everybody's going to be happy. Amen? And we need to rely on prayer. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Standing with Jesus and His Word means standing up for what He says. And when we do, we're going to lose some friends. Amen? We're going to lose some family members. We might even lose our jobs, to tell you the truth. Because our calling involves training us to have a mindset that relies on the Holy Spirit, relies on prayer. That's how you know you have a mindset. You know, you're standing with the truth, you're standing for Jesus, and you're not, you're not compromising that stand. What you're doing is, you know, Lord, I'm praying, and I ask that you give me the power, Holy Spirit, to be able to deliver on that 
truth on the promise of the gospel. Now the sacrifice, the sacrifices we do for the Lord is just part of us. That's how we think. You know, there are many things we will never do. We will never agree with. Not because we just want to be contentious, but because we love Jesus. We want to serve the Lord. There are certain things that we will, certain jokes we're not going to laugh at. Even though they're really funny. Because we know that it violates the word of Jesus. There are certain activities we'll not stand for. Not because we hate the people that do them. We love people. But there are certain things we'll never agree with. Not because we hate people. Not because we hate what they're doing. But because we love Jesus. That's called sacrificial serving. You're going to lose many things. And that's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are you when you are persecuted in my name. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's a mindset, folks. You, you, you can't invent that. You, you can't just believe that. It has to be a mindset. You have to think that way. The sacrifices we make for the Lord will result in us being validated and vindicated in our service. It takes nothing less than our prayers and the prayer of the church and the Holy Spirit who's behind all of the power that we have to honor God. Romans 8, 26 to, to 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, if you look at that passage and apply it to the fact that it's, you know, it, it's your only primary weapon to serve Jesus, it's going to mean a lot more than just a bunch of words. Amen? The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Why does the Holy Spirit help us to pray? So that we can know the will of God. The will of God, knowing the will of God, is the basis by which we serve. You and I cannot really serve God if we don't know His will. And if we really know His will... We can really serve Him. Sometimes we don't know how to serve God because we don't know His will. So, how can we be vindicated and validated as servants, as doulos, or slaves of Christ, if we don't know the will of God? How can we honor God when we don't know the will of God? So, let me just quickly review this thing about the will of God. Now, I'm not saying you don't know this. Because we learned this in Sunday school, amen? But let me just review what it means to know the will of God, okay? Now, there are three aspects of the will of God. Just, just quickly jot this down. I, I, you know, it's not in my, my notes. I wasn't thinking about doing this. But there are three things we need to understand about the will of God so we can serve Him accurately, sacrificially, all right? Number one, there is the sovereign will of God. That's the first thing we need to know. When we say we know the will of God, we need to recognize His sovereign will. Now, the sovereign will of God is something we cannot do anything about. Okay? This is all God. Okay? He has already revealed His sovereign will, by the way. 
and don't try to argue with God when he's already revealed his sovereign will. Okay, what are you talking about sovereign will? Many, many things, many, 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 many ways we can identify the sovereign will of God. First of all, first and foremost, how many of you here are Caucasians? I've never been to Caucasia, so I don't know. Yeah. How many are Asians? How many have Hispanic? Right? That's God's sovereign will. There's nothing you and I can do about it. Acts 17 says, God says, I created you. What kind you're going to be, where you're going to be, and how long you're going to live. It's already been predetermined and preset by God. That's His sovereign will. So, so don't, don't try to, to fight that. Amen? You can't do anything about it. Your boyfriend tells you, well, you know, I don't know, why, why did God make Jesus Jewish? Split up with the boyfriend. There's nothing you can do about it. God said the Savior will be a Jew. Don't get bent out of shape trying to question God's sovereign will. There's nothing you and I can do about it. He's already revealed it to us. Amen? There's so many examples. And the, 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 the greatest uh, example of this is in the Old Testament when, when God says, Jacob, I love. Esau, I rejected. And people start saying, ah, oh, there he is. You know, God is discriminating. He didn't like Esau. He loved Jacob. Nothing. God was making a sovereign choice in terms of which nation he's going to favor to carry out his redemptive plan versus another. God didn't say, oh, I hate Jacob or I hate Esau as a person and I love Jacob as a person. No, he's not talking about loving one as a person and loving another or hating another as a person. He's talking about choosing a nation of people. That's all. So God is not a hater of Esau and not, God is not favoring Jacob because he hates Esau as a person or Jacob as a per, uh, loving Jacob as a person. He's making a sovereign choice of which nation he will use to carry out the redemptive plan. And that's the sovereign will of God. There's nothing you and I can do about that. Okay? So that's the first thing we got to know. God's sovereign will. Don't bother worrying about things that we don't understand. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to God. What we can know, He allows us to know. Secondly, we need to know the moral will of God. Not just the sovereign will of God, but the moral will of God. What's the moral will of God? Everybody knows the moral will of God. God revealed to us the do's and don'ts already in His Word. Okay, let me give you one. Do not kill your neighbor. That's the will of God. Alright? Okay, help the poor. That's the will of God. So the do's and don'ts, we already know. So when we say we, we, we want to know the will of God, understand the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God. Now there's a third element which I love. 
It's called God's benevolent will. All right? Now, if you accept God's sovereign will and you obey God's moral will, you and I are free to will whatever we want. We will not violate God because we know His sovereign will and we already know His moral will. We have a lot of freedom to move around in God's benevolent will. Okay? God is not going to punish you for marrying the wrong person. There's no such thing as marrying the wrong person. When you know the moral will of God, you will choose the right person. Amen? When you know the sovereign will of God, you're not going to go bother about the things that you can never answer anyway, that you can never reverse. So when we know the moral will of God and the sovereign will of God, we have free will. Now, the sovereignty of God limits our free will, but it doesn't eliminate it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.